Obviously. On the prompt. I didn't, of course, uh, read the manual or, you know, watch the keynote. I just bought an iPhone. Welcome to the prompt. A weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. Welcome back to the world's greatest podcast. This is episode number 31. Today is January 15th, 2014. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined today by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. Hey, Mike. Buonasera. How are you? I'm doing great, sir. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Very well indeed. Just the two of us today? Yeah. Like uh, that song that, that Will Smith covered with his child. I don't know where that came from, but, you know, just the two of us. Just me and you. <laughs> yeah, we we miss our adult friend. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Stephen's out today, but we love him. But he's away. Yeah. Um. But we've got loads to talk about today. But before, oh, yeah. before we jump into any follow up, I want to thank everyone for listening last week. I, I hope that there's some new listeners um to this week's episode of the prompt. So welcome if you're a new listener. I'm going to say this. It's the most successful episode. It's the most listened to episode that we've ever had of the show, which is an amazing feeling because of the amount of work that we put in. And I hope that that shows sort of from like the preparation that we went through to the audio clips, the editing, and just the actual recording of the show. We were recording for even longer than the episode was. Um, So thank you all for listening to it. It was obviously a very long episode, and I hope that you enjoyed it. We won't be doing an episode of that length for some time. But um, I want to revisit something like this in the future, Federico. I enjoyed it a lot and would like to do more shows like that one. Yeah, absolutely. So I try to explain this, uh, you know, this big kind of milestone to my parents. And and my, my and they replied, so you, you talked for almost three hours to your internet friends. I don't think that they... Got it. Yeah, they exactly. exactly. They don't get it. <laughs> but but it, was, it was absolutely, I mean, you know, the kind of feedback and response has been amazing. And, and I'm really happy that the, our listeners liked it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we should maybe next year for the iPad, it will be five years. Yeah, I was thinking the iPad would be a really good one to do. Yeah. Assuming that there will still be an iPad next year. Oh, we'll but get uh, <laughs> onto that later. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a lot of it was a lot of fun, and and I was a little bit worried when when I'd finished editing um, that the episode was too long, but I don't really think we had any comments from people saying that. You know, there were people that were like, "I th- it was really long, but I loved it." You know, so yeah. that's the kind of thing that you want. Yeah, it was actually longer than the uh, the, the keynote by an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. And if you want us to do more shows like that. I mean, we can, but what we need you to do is support our sponsors is kind of in a nutshell because I uh, it took me about five to six hours to, to edit that because, you know, I listened through it a couple of times, had to get all the clips ready um, and, and sort of find ways to intersperse them and stuff. So it took me a very, very long time to edit it, which I was more than happy to do. So if you want more like that, you need to, Get, you need to help us get more sponsors so we can, so I can quit my job and then I can make an episode of The Prompt like that for you every week if you want, you know? So support yeah. our sponsors and then they'll keep supporting us. 
They should support our sponsors. Well, yes, I mean, I, I mean, you, I mean, you could have gone to to some pub and, and have some beers in London. It's a, it's a beautiful city. Instead, you, you stay home mm-hmm. and you edited the the prompt, which is an amazing fun. Which course. is amazing, of course. But you could have had some beers I instead. Could, I could and have. You, had and some. you didn't. So the our listeners should appreciate that. <laughs> Federico, shall we do some follow up? We shall. I think that sounds like a great idea to me. So we have, um, this was something that we were going to include last week, but we didn't do any follow-up last week. Um, But you have posted a sort of recap of your photos management setup. Mm -hmm. I really don't want to talk about it because (laughs) photo management is like, is this like, a topic that we haven't covered before? I almost feel like it's a joke, like a running joke of the show <laughs> now, as opposed to a topic. Um, but yeah, if if you are a long time listener of the prompt and you're interested in the photo management discussion and what Federico is doing now that Everpix has gone away, um, then you should check out that post, and that will be in the show notes, which you can find at five by five TV slash prompt slash thirty one. Um, we got an email through Federico about Google Music All Access. You remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about um, music services. I remember the episode. I don't remember Google Music All Access. So we we basically <laughs> I'm joking. Of, I know we, what it is. No, no, no. We we glossed over it and made a joke out of it. Um, and a user of the service contacted us and wanted us to, t- you know, get and gave us an explanation as to why Google Musical Access is awesome. So basically, Google Music. I'm going to give people, in a nutshell, Federico, okay. from from our listener Michael, who helped us with this, in a nutshell, why Google Music All Access is good. Google Music is iTunes match with a web interface, so it's similar. You know, you upload your stuff mm-hmm. and it does the thing, and you can download it everywhere. And all access is $10 a month, which is a streaming service like audio and Spotify. So there's two parts. So you've got Google Music and then all access. So it's $10 a month for a streaming service. So there you go. Okay, so it's two things uh, in the same... Oh, I get it. Yeah. You have Google Music and then all access. Mm-hmm. But all access is actually called Google Music All Access because... Google, Google Music All Access. Okay. Google does suck at branding. So this is like Windows versions terminology yeah that's kind google. of is there a google musical access pro rt pro home edition uh <laughs> <laughs> no i get it i get it so uh, yeah i didn't smash on the web that 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 should be something that apple should do you know yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, i i i still don't get it why why you can't browse the itunes store and the app store or even use itunes match on a, on a web browser Probably because Apple doesn't have the time and or knowledge to. It's to not do their that. area of expertise at all, is it really? Yeah, but maybe they just don't care. Maybe they just they just just think that people should be using iTunes. I don't know. Also, in some uh, sh- sort of meta follow up of the show, um, another five by five show, the Critical Path, had a really great episode about Google and its businesses. So when we were talking about Google and their intentions, and you know how we feel about them a couple of weeks ago, so that's episode one hundred and eight of Critical Path, which you should check out if you find that discussion interesting. Now we can talk about some actual follow up from last week's episode. So. Uh, Twitter user and fan of the show, Linus Edwards, has posted a screenshot um, to Twitter of the fist-pumping guy. So if you want to see that, you can do that. Um, Yeah, let let me just add, Mike, that Linus has been doing some great work over at 
is blog. So I recommend our listeners to to go check it out. Not just the, not just the the link that we are including in the show notes, but the the entire blog. I want to make sure I've got this correct. Vintage Zen. Yeah, yeah, that will be in the show notes too, so people can go and check out Linus's blog, which you should do because it gets the Federico Vitici stamp of approval. <laughs> Can't get much better this than is that. this is like the the old Nintendo seal of approval on, on games. I think that they still have it. You know that the yellow golden stamp. Yes, the uh, <laughs> Nintendo seal of authenticity. I think it's called or something. Oh like yeah, that. yeah. They should make one for me with like an Italian flag and a, and a cup of coffee and like stuff that I like. I just put a stamp on it. Federico, I need to save us from getting follow up because we will. It's the Nintendo seal of quality. Seal of quality. I think that there should be the Vitici seal of quality. Who's going to make it for us first? So, somebody will make it. Somebody's sure. got to make it. And then you can basically, instead of having like the little verified badge on Twitter, you could just have that. You yeah. know, and instead of giving out favorites to people, you could just send them the image. That sounds like fun. No, I will mail them the actual stamp. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so my favorite tweet that came through uh, was from the power slider himself, Mr. Jason Snell. When talking about, uh, he was talking about the, the one of the points that me and Stephen fought over last week. Uh, Jason says, I'm siding with Mike here. If you were a regular Joe, you could get into Macworld and see the iPhone keynotes. You may remember that me and Stephen were arguing about the audience in attendance. And I was saying that I felt, felt that it was different because you could regular people could be there. And mm-hmm. Stephen said there were no regular people there. No, like just fans. Everybody had a vested interest from an economical level in Apple and its future and that how it related to their own businesses, basically. Um, but Jason agrees with me. So Stephen has uh, basically said that he was wrong. But he he wrote that in the show notes because how can you argue with the power slider? Yeah. More in the Stephen was wrong section of the <laughs> of the follow-up. Um, about 3G data and voice, Stephen said that it was not possible on AT&T for 3G data and voice to, to occur. Um, he was wrong about that. And there is a, we're going to be putting in a knowledge base article, which tells you that it was just, um, there was a problem on Verizon CDMA network and on edge networks, but no GSM network, including AT&T has this problem. Now, Federico, this kind of is not really follow up as such, but it's not really a topic, but you have yeah. something very, very important that you want to talk about. So over to yeah, you. Yeah, it's just a side topic. Um, basically, today I was sent this tweet by a reader, Anthony, to um, an article by the New Scientist, I guess. Uh, basically, they're saying that, according to new studies, drinking two, espresso, two espressos at once has a chance of increasing long-term memory. So, uh, apparently, they ran some tests on... Uh, I don't know, some, I guess, some uh, animals. Uh, I don't know, usually usually mice. Uh, I don't know if they tested this on people too. But anyway, um, I read this article and I was reminded of a, of a little story that I, that I used to, to be told by my, by my friends. Basically, all my friends who went to college or university, as they call it in Italy, there used to be this thing that they call the, the student's coffee. It's essentially uh, a double... Cu- uh, Mike, are you familiar with the mocha pot? Mm, the mocha pot? No, I don't think so. Yeah, a mocha. Oh, oh. oh I'm familiar with a mocha, yeah. 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 
Uh, and you know also the espresso machine, right? Yeah. So don't think about the espresso, the espresso machine right now. Okay. Think about the mocha. Okay. So in the mocha, you put the water uh, at the bottom, and yep. then you put, and then you 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 boil the water, and the water comes up, and and it goes to the coffee, and you get the coffee, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of using water, you put a, an already made coffee instead of water. So coffee goes through coffee, and you have essentially a double coffee at the end. So you put coffee into the mocha pot. Yes, instead of water, you put coffee, and then that you, that, where you that have you prepare beforehand, yeah, where you have the beans, or the no, 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 you don't have the beans. You have okay. the, the powder. The, ah, the, yes, like the instant okay. coffee powder, right? Yeah, yeah. So you, you put have the, the instant coffee in, and no, then it's, it's, it's not. It's yeah, it's it, or whatever, it, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You're just gri- coffee. Grinding. Yeah. I'm sorry, everyone. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you've ground your own beans. I get that. <laughs> so you put so already some instead of water right mm. you put some coffee that you already made <laughs> so instead of drinking it all right you yeah. you use the wa- the the coffee instead of the water so you boil the coffee and the coffee goes through the coffee powder and so you end up with this crazy thing called a double coffee or a student coffee which my friends used to drink to stay up all night and study how the- how is this different from just using more cocaine. Beans. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, why, why not just put in twice the amount of, of like beans? Because I guess that by making sure that the boiling the coffee and then the coffee that goes through the, the, the you know, the powder, I guess it's just stronger in the end. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and I was told by my friends that it, that it wasn't the best taste in the no, world. No, so <laughs> I, so I tweeted this. And it turns out that my readers are pretty familiar with, with this idea of, of double coffee or the student's coffee. <laughs> yeah, if so, anyone's uh, readers are going to be familiar with something like this, it's yours. So, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, it turns out that basically should be very popular in Italy among people who study engineering because some people call it the engineer's coffee. So maybe, I don't know, uh, maybe there are some particular exams of engineering that you know, require staying up all night and drinking double coffees. I don't know. Do you think anyway, Dr. My, fr- my fr- Yeah, <laughs> we should ask Dr. Jane. <laughs> my friends were ac- are studying engineering, so it make, it, the story checks out so far. Right. But it gets crazier. Okay. So <laughs> I, was, I was also sent a tweet by another reader about it, uh, uh, not a double coffee, but basically doing this process three times in a row. Oh. Which apparently caused an, uh, an hospitalization. <laughs> <laughs> of course it did. Of but wait, it, it, get, it gets even crazier. <laughs> because just a few minutes ago, I was sent by reader Dave. Uh, he basically told me that um, in Italy, in the, in the northern part of Italy, by the Alps, there is this uh, beverage called the Caffè Alpino, which could be translated to the Alpine coffee. So instead, instead of using water and instead of using coffee, you use grappa to make coffee with a mocha. <laughs> so I can, I, I, I can see why by the mountains, you, you, you know, you need to stay warm. Yeah. You need to, you need to. That's going to make you very warm. <laughs> yeah. So if anyone want to try the, the Alpine coffee, the Cafalpino, 
please send us a link and we'll, we'll mention you in follow-up in, if you'll be still alive. Federico, how many people are going to die as a result of this week's episode? I, I, I don't endorse the use of alcohol. But... <laughs> You know, this is like a legal disclaimer, right? <laughs> but if you, want, if you really, really want to try it, and I mean, grappa is a, is, a, is a legal beverage. You can buy it in a supermarket. I don't judge. So if you want to prepare a, a cafe alpino, uh, you're welcome. And, uh, and I'm interested to know what it tastes like, what's the, the effect, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't think that I would be able to drink such a thing, but, you know, it's, uh, I can read a tweet about it. I don't think that reading will get me drunk, so... Mm. Yeah. As for the double coffee, Mike, mm. the general consensus is that it really, really sucks. It's yeah, I really, can imagine it tastes yeah. just horrible. Like, yeah. just horrible. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, another reader told me that it's like a Red Bull on steroids. Mm. A really strong feeling. I'm waiting for the person to write in and tell us that they made... Uh, they replace the water of Red Bull. Oh God! Red Bull with coffee. <laughs> that's that's seriously you can get an intoxication. I think that. you'd die. <laughs> I, I do think yeah. that that would would make your heart explode. Yeah. P- please don't die, our listeners. I'm so Be scared. Safe. I'm so Be scared. Be safe out there. I'm so scared about just the general coffee follow up we're gonna get. You know? Oh yeah. How dare you call it powder? Um, why doesn't Mike know how a mocha pot works? Oh. Uh, all of these things, really. Um, so we'll just wait for that, I guess. So yeah. sorry, sorry, nerds. You know, but you know, Mike. Now yeah. is your chance to to redeem yourself okay. and talk about something awesome. I could totally do that, Federico. Yeah. Let's take a moment to talk about our friends over at Squarespace. They are the all-in-one platform that make it fast and easy to create your own website. For a free trial and ten percent off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TallyHo. One. Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, new designs, and making their support even more awesome. They have beautiful templates for you to start with, and tons of style options for you to adjust, so you can really create your own space online. Talking about updating their platform, Squarespace have overhauled their page building system called Layout Engine, which is what allows you to very easily drag and drop and layout your pages all within your web browser, all natively within Squarespace, and you can see everything update in front of you via your website. You don't update something in some code somewhere. You go onto a page and you click a button. You say what type of content you want to put there, whether it be text, the video, images, so much more. You can drag and drop it around the page, click and drag to resize it, exactly how it would be. It's like sort of using Squarespace is like using building blocks to make a website. It's just like you pick something up and you put it in and you arrange it the way that you want and it looks exactly how it should. You take a block, you put it in, it's perfect. That's what I love about Squarespace. They've overhauled their layout engine called Layout Engine 2, and they made it even easier and more powerful to use. Squarespace take care of hosting, SEO, and even make sure that your site looks fantastic on any device. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you need any help, they have over 70 dedicated employees on their customer care team. Squarespace truly care about design, and it shows throughout their entire product, from their templates to their own site and to the back end that you use as well, including their page building stuff. Squarespace also have two new iOS apps that you can use. You have Squarespace Blog, which allows you to draft, post, and schedule posts for your site and manage your comments. And they also have 
Squarespace metrics, which allows you to monitor your site analytics on the go. As I said earlier, you can try Squarespace for free with no credit card required. And if you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month and includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. So don't forget that you will get 10% off and support the prompt if you use the code TallyHo1. That's T-A-L-L-Y-H-O and the number one. Thank you so much to Squarespace for supporting this show and all of 5x5. How was that, Federico? Well, I think it sounded great. Yeah, did I do a good yeah. job? Yeah, you're, so, you're pretty. You're pretty great. At, great at reading sponsors. Oh, you're so nice to me. So you went and totally destroyed the show today. We had a bunch of topics planned out, but then you went. I'm and, sorry. Then I'm you sorry, went and posted a, an epic piece about the iPad Pro, which apparently you've been testing for a few weeks, <laughs> and, and I you really, really like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Federico. Give us a, a, a quick overview. Why are we talking about the iPad Pro today? Why, what, why, are, why are we talking about a thing that doesn't exist? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because um, basically in the, past, in the past few months, but especially in the past few weeks, I've seen a lot of rumors about this alleged device, an iPad Pro, uh, which Apple, according to analysts and tech blogs and, and rumors and reports on rumors, should be coming out this fall, so fall 2014. And um, the thing that, that got me to write an article about it is that the rumors are really confused because people are saying that it could be a, a bigger iPad, uh, a 13-inch iPad, essentially, or an iPad for professional users, or a hybrid device, so an iPad that could also be used as, as a MacBook. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to look at all these rumors and and because it's a, the iPad is my is my you know primary computer because I use it every day I wanted to consider all these rumors and 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 think about whether I would need such a device or if I could see the use of such a device for for you know Apple users in general and um, so I put together this piece in in the in the in the past in the past two weeks I've done some research some reading and, uh, and uh, I, I talked about it with my girlfriend and with my friends and with, and with my colleagues at MacStories. And I, I concluded that I personally don't see the need for a larger iPad or an iPad just for the pros. And, but, but I still wanted to, to play ball with the rumors. So I decided to go along with, with the theories that, that, I, that I saw in, on, on tech blogs. And I... And I conceded that maybe there could be three different options. And for each, for each option, I, I imagine the possible uh, advantages. But I also included my own take. Mm. Basically, I ended up discarding all the options and just picking up some elements from, from, from each one. Basically, aspects of this possible device that I would like to see coming to iOS and coming to the iPad in general without needing a specific new screen size or a specific device for the pros. So we'll get into each, I want to get into each of those options, but there's one thing that I wanted to address with you first, and that's the education and enterprise markets. So in basically every little block quote that you've given or in every article that you link to is like these, you know, these are the sorts of people, whether they're just rumor blogs or analysts sort of speculating because why not speculate because, you know, 
everything's conjecture. Nobody's seen anything. You've got to make some money. Let's speculate. Anyway, um, they all mention the education enterprise markets. So here's a question that I have for you, Federico, that, that I've been thinking about. Does 2014 Apple, one of the largest companies in the world, need to create an iPad just for use in education or in enterprise? I think that the notion of needing a specific hardware for a specific job or market segment is backwards. Yeah. You need s- software that is, m- that is more flexible and, and, and useful for different kinds of people. You don't need to make a specific piece of glass in a specific enclosure and sell it to, to uh, because that's reductive, right? You're, you're limiting yourself. You're limiting your approach to the market by, by selling an iPhone made for the enterprise or an iPad made for education. You need software, you need apps, and you need features at the basic OS level that can be flexible, that can scale to different needs. So instead of making, my my answer is no, Mike. I don't see I don't see Apple building a specific iPad for for the enterprise or for the education mark, uh, segment. The thing that I see and and that Apple must be seen as well is that uh, you want to talk about the enterprise. So let's talk about the enterprise. Uh, Fortune 500 companies, basically over 96 percent of them have deployed or tested the iPad. And Apple has a specific web page to, to highlight all these companies that are using iPads, uh, law firms at the office or construction companies. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I read a profile about the, the bike maker Ducati in Italy. All kinds of companies are using iPads and they're not using the iPad because it was specifically made for, for them. They're using a device that was made for the general public and thanks to the App Store and thanks to the OS features that, that Apple uh, developed for security for business users, thanks to, to those software aspects, they can use the iPad. And same for the, for the educational market. You can, you can go to, to Fraser Spears' blog and, and read about all the, the apps and all the, and all the case studies that, 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 that is seen by deploying hundreds of iPads at his school in in uh, in Scotland. Yes, in Scotland. And yeah, I could I uh, could see you weren't one hundred percent sure about that. Yeah, Scotland. Yeah, thanks, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mike. And so uh, these these are not iPads that were made for for Fraser's school. That were made for for Ducati. That were made for a specific company. These are iPads that that Apple made for everyone. And then it was up to to each company, to each school district, to to each institution to pick the iPad and and see the apps and see the OS features and consider: Is this device? Is this computer for us? Can we can we deploy it? Can we test it? And I don't, uh, you know, it's it, it seems it seems to me that. All the people that are, that are still arguing for, uh, and not just the iPad, but also, you know, uh, an iPhone, maybe. Uh, all these specific, with a, with a specific purpose, all these kinds of device that, devices that you see in the, in the tech rumors, they don't make much sense. And of course, the counter-argument to this is that, is that Apple made <laughs> an education-specific iMac a couple of years ago. You remember that, Mike? What was it called? It's called the eMac. 
No, no, no. It's the iMac for education. I think it's a 20, 21 inches. Yeah. I'm going to send you a link in for the show notes. Yeah, I'll put it in. Uh, it's basically an iMac though. It's it's not like an iMac with with a with a with a pen holder or something. It's just an iMac that Apple is selling to 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 educational institutions. There was a there Stephen will be very happy with me that there, there was a at one time an education Mac called the eMac which was the old iMac. Do you remember like the candy iMac, you know? Yeah, but I'm pretty sure you're gonna you're gonna get some details wrong, and Stephen will be upset. Yeah, so I'm gonna stop. But yes, there. yes, I do remember that. Mark. Yeah, but there was a 21.5 inch iMac, which was for education. I remember that. I remember that. So I'll put a link to. I but, found but, a gadget uh, article about it. Oh, same like I was. Oh yeah, same same link I sent you. Like I was saying, though, it's not a, a, a specific iMac in the sense that that it's a custom design, yeah. that it's a that it's a smaller or larger screen. It's just an iMac with, uh, I guess, a slightly different uh, specs and maybe a lower price point. Yeah, it's locked, uh, at a, 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 locked at a certain price point, locked at specification. So then they could just make it scale and sell. Yes, but what we are seeing with with the rumors about the iPad Pro. Which is, which, by the way, when I when I say that they're really confused, uh, I meant that you see these headlines about an iPad Pro, which should be for pros, or maybe education, or maybe the enterprise. It's like that they, they can't even settle on a name. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just. But but anyway, the the, the core idea is that Apple is uh, building these. 12.9 inch display for an iPad which may or may not be called iPad Pro and which may or may not come out later this year but there is also another rumor that says that the same display that all these websites are talking about is not meant for the iPad it's meant for a new kind of MacBook that should come out by the same time frame so fall 2014 and there should be a completely new design kind of like the next evolution of the MacBook Air so there's a really a lot of speculation and confusion. And uh, I just thought that it was a funny topic, you know, because uh, I wanted to, to kind of explore all these rumors. And, and be- because, you know, the idea of, a, of, a, of an iPad for professional users isn't new in general. This is a topic that we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Like, can you do work on an iPad? Can you be a pro on an iPad? And, uh, my, and, and I think that that's the wrong question to ask. I think that we should be asking, will Apple make iOS more suitable for pros? It's not specific to the iPad, it's not specific to a market segment because you can you you could require pro features if you were a college student, if you were a lawyer, if you were, I don't know, a professional a professional chef. Uh, everybody has at some point pro requirements yep. i guess if if you're gonna if you're gonna need to do and maybe this is the wrong term but serious work done if you if if you wanna if you wanna get serious work done you're gonna want some pro features that maybe at this point ios doesn't have but it's not it's not just the ipad we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute as well going back slightly um we mentioned fraser spears he's actually posted his thoughts on the ipad pro yeah, just I haven't read those yet, but that'll be in the show notes too. I didn't see that pop up. Um, going back to the education enterprise, kind of to to corroborate what you were saying, Federico. 
Um, I think that, you know, it does just make more sense for Apple to just build whatever they build, just make it a, a new great iPad. Because then when it's that awesome, the people in those markets will want to use it and will find ways to use it. That's how iPad has found its way into Fortune 500 companies because executives use them and want them to be deployed in their business because they want to use them on a daily basis. And saying about like, I don't even know how you would build an iPad for education. Like what do you, or enterprise, what do you put in it? Like, do you maybe put in more security like secure, additional security features, we'll just put them in the iPad. Like, for example, Exchange support. I don't need Exchange support, but it's there. That's for the enterprise. Like, also, that long password thing, you know, you can put, like, a text password. I don't need that. It was there. It's there because the enterprise demands it. So Apple put this stuff into iOS. They don't need to create a brand-new iPad for it. So that kind of goes on from what you were saying. So let's talk about some of the options. So option number 1 that you propose is a big is just plainly a bigger iPad. Now, so all of these are talking about a larger iPad, but the, when you say bigger iPad, you mean literally all it is is the same iPad just larger, right? Yes. So there's no no like additional features, nothing. It's just here's a big iPad. It's just a bigger iPad with with nothing particularly different about it just bigger do you know like what, an ipad like an ipad mini gets bigger becomes an ipad air do you know what this reminded me of when i was reading it the kindle uh, dx oh god like what was the <laughs> what's the point of that like you know at the time it was like well okay you can if you're a student your textbooks so it's the same thing right the only argument you could have is maybe people need the screens to be bigger for their textbooks although you know i argue that retina screens kind of make that not really important anymore yeah, because I'm 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 looking at my MacBook Air mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if could I go outside with just my MacBook screen in my hands? Would I look like an idiot? But but it's not not just that. It's I don't see how such a screen that big could be considered portable, because on top of that screen, you you would have to add the you know the the body of the device. Yeah. So it wouldn't just be the, the, the size, it would be the size plus the, you know, the, the thickness of the device and, and maybe a smart cover on top of that. So it really becomes too large for me. Yep. Like it makes a portable device no longer portable. And if, they, if all Apple did was make a bigger iPad, it would be a waste because if you're going to do a bigger iPad, it has to come with other stuff. Right, so this kind of, the, I feel like this is the one we spend the least time on because it's the one that makes the least sense out of all three to me. Because I just don't get why why Apple would want to do this. Let's just make an iPad that's larger. It doesn't really make much sense. Like, so I feel like if you're gonna do this, you would need more powerful software like Photoshop, right? Like a full Photoshop to take advantage of the larger screen, which it could because Photoshop runs on an 11 inch MacBook Air, right? uh, you know, so 12 inch iPad, fine. It would need the internals to really make the apps run well. So we need to get more RAM, which all iPads need anyway, as we've spoken about before, I think. Um, You'd maybe need some peripherals, right? If you're going to say this is for creative people, which is something that you mentioned, what about pressure sensitivity, either in the screen or in an Apple-approved stylus, right? Mm-hmm. And build or build something into the iPad, which can measure pressure sensitivity over Bluetooth rather than needing to plug something in. Um, maybe a keyboard, like a real keyboard cover. Like there's one that I'm going to talk about in a bit, which I won't bring up right now. And also, you mentioned this as well, Retina would be really hard at 12-inch 
I think. And, I mean, it can be done at 13 but that starts at $1,300 for the MacBook Pro. So I think that potentially a retina screen at 12 inches could price this out. And if all it did was it's bigger, it doesn't make sense. Am I following along the same sort of lines as you with that, Federico? Oh, yeah. I, I forgot to mention the, the possibility of a stylus in my, in, my, in my article, but I definitely agree. But I'm also wondering, Mike, uh, at some point, if you're going to keep adding features to, to the iPad, you're going to end up with basically a mm-hmm. MacBook. Yeah, it gets to a certain point, and then the iPad just becomes all the computers because it, that it, Apple makes. Because like, if you get to 13 inches, and if you start adding uh, a pen, you know, for yep. a stylus for, the, for, for drawing and that kind of stuff, if you add a keyboard, and, and if you add, I don't know, some other accessory for desk usage... And if you already have a larger screen, you're going to essentially, why not just get a MacBook? Yep. All of those things that we've just mentioned, those hardware changes, they kind of fall under the next category that you talk about, which is an iPad with substantial changes. But for me, and I feel like this is the same for you, I mean, yes, you can put all that stuff in. That's awesome. If you want to put in, you know, obviously put in more RAM because you're going to do that. Maybe add some peripherals because you're going to do that too. But iOS, if you're going to position an iPad at 12 inches and say that it's, you know, for pros, iOS needs to change along with it. Yes. You agree with that, Federico, right? Yeah, because, uh, I mean, if you're going to have a bigger screen, just try to imagine how, how maybe not useful, but just how silly something like Tweetbot or something like Mail or something like even Control Center, uh, how they will look on, 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 on a big screen yeah. without proper adjustments. Yep. It, it, you would basically look at entire areas on the screen without nothing. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering if this thing really exists. Maybe Apple needs to, you know, to readjust some of the UI principles of iOS for the bigger screen because iOS was iOS was was thought for the was realized for for smaller screens and even when when Apple announced the first iPad you remember people saying that the iPad was just a big iPod touch yeah because you could see the the, the springboard was enlarged and and all the apps were familiar but also they looked like bigger iPhone counterparts yeah, like I, I feel like iOS does not scale to the iPad Air. And when, and, and in fact, I agree with you. And in fact, when when the when iOS seven for the iPad was released uh, back in June two thousand uh, last year, basically thirteen, it was last year, right? Yeah, yes, yeah, fourteen. Yeah, 14, fourteen is this year. When iOS seven for the iPad was first released as a beta to developers a few weeks after the iPhone version. Uh, a lot of people were were wondering whether Apple had, you know, been taking more time to show the iPad version because they were optimizing iOS 7 for the iPad. Uh, it turns out that, that iOS 7 isn't really optimized for the iPad. There are many parts of it that are basically just the iPhone version of the feature, but bigger. Now, if, if we are already having this argument for the iPad mini and iPad Air, can you imagine an iPad Pro with a 
13 inch screen right. our control our control center would look yeah our notification center will our siri would look <laughs> all, all, yeah it would all look ridiculous it, and a lot as you say a lot of apps would too and i feel like i know we have full screen apps right but there are times when even on an on a macbook air where i want multiple apps open at once like my twitter client my im client and like a note-taking app they can all fit on that on that screen easily right and and now I know that you kind of you, you seem to go back and forth on it a little bit in your article, but I think that um, what Windows and Microsoft are doing with app snapping is really, really interesting. And in the limited time that I've had with the Surface, I can see how how great that would be. Like to be, I would have Chrome covering like three quarters of my screen and then Tweetbot covering the other part and I can scroll through and I can do this and do this. And as I'm working throughout the day, I, you know, I actually quite like that. And if it's done correctly, then brilliant. You, you include a link in your article which people can go and, and find. It's in our show notes and it's at Mac Stories as well, of course. Um, you include a link to the way that, that Samsung are doing it for the Galaxy and they, they, that doesn't look very elegant at all. Microsoft's option, I don't know if you have played around with it, Federico, is much, much more fluid and a lot better than this. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen it, but but I still I still don't buy it. And and okay. let me exp- let me tell you why. And this is kinda complicated because it has many different point of views. So uh, my my main problem is that I think that the, the entire uh, Windows and I don't mean Windows by the the Microsoft trademark i mean the, the, the fact, computer a- application the windows application windows i think that the the old windows idea is is outdated and it doesn't really scale for touch my point is that normal people don't really know how to deal with multiple windows on the screen because it's different to understand context and if you look at somebody who isn't a geek using a windows pc or even a mac and, and, and if you give that person a lot of windows, eventually it's gonna get complicated and they're gonna get confused because it's, I, I guess that the human, by human nature, it's really, you know, looking at multiple windows and this uh, may sound strange to us because we're used to, but I, I think that normal people, but by, by the way that, that, I, that I saw people using computers in my, in my lifetime, they have a hard time figuring out which window is active. So of course, Apple and Microsoft have been trying various tricks to 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 indicate context. So on OS X, for instance, the the windows beneath the active one get a little, you know, they they, they don't have the color traffic lights, and they have a little kind of gray shade on them to signify that they are not active. And of course, Windows has been using transparencies and the shadows and that kind of stuff. So coming into the the, the multi-touch age. I don't. I don't think that what Samsung showed, but and and but but you're saying that Samsung is the best example, so I'm gonna go with Windows 8 and Windows 8.1. I don't think that that app snapping is the the ultimate solution. It's it's better than what Samsung showed with that the crazy uh, desktop inspired UI, but I still think that on a, on a flat screen that supports touch input. Requiring the user to switch focus between two apps on the on the same small surface of a tablet isn't really the, 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 an ideal scenario because here's, here's a, a simple example. 
you have two windows on, on, an, on a tablet, right? You have a browser and you have a, a note-taking app. Both support text input, uh, one in the address bar and one in the, in the note-taking app. Where do you look? Where, where is the cursor? Why is the keyboard showed on the screen? Why, why is the keyboard up? Can you, see, you see that there are complications with this, right? Yeah, because it, yeah there are. There are, definitely. And, and, and I don't, and, and, but maybe this is a stupid example, so let's go, let's go deeper. Requiring users to taking an app from the multitasking view and, and dragging it on the screen and then snapping it into the sidebar. And then you can do another gesture to, to take the sidebar and put it on, the, on a different side of the screen. And then you have to close this sidebar because you don't want to see it anymore. I just think that, that it's basically the, 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 the modern version of and, and the software version of putting lipstick on a pig. Because you're taking Windows but you're kind of translating them to the, to the new multi-touch uh, metaphors. So what I would rather see on the iPad and, and other tablets is not to think of apps as, as windows, is to think of apps as features. And, and when, you, when you skew the, the window metaphor and when you, when you start thinking about the idea of an app as a service, as, as a feature, you could you could do some pretty interesting things. So, for instance, why don't operating systems think about using multiple apps as using multiple features of the same workflow? And by this, I mean that I would like to see instead of Apple going the Mac way, so using Windows on an iPad, I would like to see something like popovers, something like contextual little features, little services that don't, uh, that give you the idea of what you're doing mm -hmm. because a popover comes just over the thing that you're doing on an iPad that lets you understand your place in the app but that lets you do something else. You know what I mean? So let's say... I would like to see apps as features, so not as So let's say you're in a Twitter application yeah. and you want to take a photo. Yeah. But you want to take the photo of Instagram so you can add the filters. Mm -hmm. Then it, you would press it and then maybe an in, the Instagram photo app viewer would come up and you take your picture and add your filter and, and press the button, press like the upload button and then it uploads into a tweet and you post a tweet. Right yeah. Or what, what I, also another example would be to... Like, you keep your passwords in one password. That's a really good one too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe you have to fill a login and you just tap and hold. And, and like the services menu on OS X. Yeah. It, it doesn't require you to, to, to bring up the full app and window to, to perform a, f a functionality. I would like to, to think of, uh, of apps as features rather than windows because... Yeah, so like those little tweet sheets, right? That sort of idea, the way that that worked, which was it allowed you to post to Twitter from other applications. Yeah, and yeah. they don't have to be modal windows or popovers necessarily. They could even be invisible. 
I mean, sure, something sure. something like the, the, the iOS app that I reviewed uh, a while ago, MacSource, is called Text Tool, which basically lets you run uh, modifications on text. So if you have a lowercase piece of text, you can turn it into, you know, title case or uppercase. That could be a system service. Once you install the app, you don't have to uh, snap the application in the sidebar or have two windows on the screen. You could just modify the text you have anywhere on the OS using text tool as a service. Something now, like course, maybe the Evernote web clipper or something. Yeah, or and you know, the, you know, there's already an example of this, actually two. One is how on iOS, any application can send an email using the mail app. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, on the iPhone, the, 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 there's a full screen mail view because, of course, on the iPhone, I don't know why anyone would have multiple applications at the same time. On the iPad, that could be a model window or a full screen window, depending on what the developer wants to do. But not necessarily to send an email, you have to, you have to switch back to the mail app or use a sidebar. And, 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 and the second example, which is even a, a better one, with iOS 7, when you listen to iTunes radio, you can like songs or uh, add songs to a wish list using Control Center because uh, Apple put a widget for the music app into Control Center. And, and, and I don't see it. And, and of course, the, the simple solution would have been to, you know, just put a sidebar on the screen. But why requiring users to manually drag uh, the music app into a sidebar to keep it visible at all time, or why requiring user to perform uh, another complex gesture to do a th- uh, to complete, uh, you know, to do something that can be done just by tapping a button in Control Center, which is the the feature that everybody is already using to activate the flashlight and that kind of stuff. What I, what I'm trying to say is that, of course, Microsoft wants to wants to to take the Windows idea and, and try and, and to make it evolve for, for the future. And, and I don't think that that's going to work. And, and I think that there's a reason why Apple hasn't done that. But do you really think that Apple could didn't have the chance to take, I don't know, Mission Control or Expose and trying to make it work on the iPad two years ago? Sure. It's, it's, yeah. re- it's really not that crazy. And uh, but but I don't think that's uh, that. Of course, we would we would m- probably like it, Mike. Uh-huh. People people like us, you know. Oh, cool! I can have multiple windows on the screen. But I'm also I'm also it's an old way of thinking, isn't it? It's the old way, and, and really. Yes, and of course, there are maybe some fancy ways to make it work, and uh, and and I'm sure that the Microsoft implementation is is uh, can be considered nice. By, by by people like us because oh nice you can you can you can take this app and make it responsive and and instead of seeing a full version you see a sidebar so you have a, a weather sidebar you have a calculator sidebar and that kind of stuff but I also fear that by adding this kind of this kind of this kind of feature it would take away from the iPad simplicity because looking looking back at the history of the iPad what really worked was the fact that it only showed one app at a time, and uh, and uh, and I think that was a great call by by Steve Jobs and his team back in the day. And now uh, I think that Apple, at least I like to think that Apple wants to 
Because the problem isn't Windows, Mike. You see, the problem isn't Windows per se. The problem is doing more stuff at the same time. Because when you, when you think about multitasking, you're not thinking about multi-windowing. <laughs> you're thinking about multitasking. So what I'm asking is, is a task necessarily a window? And I don't think that a task is a window. I think that a task could be a service. I think that a task could be a contextual popover. I think that a task could be uh, a command that you run without having to manage pixels. You don't have to manage screens. You don't have to manage windows. You just have to multitask. That's my point. Let's address the elephant in the room. Excellent point, yeah. by the way. I like that way of thinking. It's interesting. But let's address the elephant in the room. Anything that is added software-wise to the iPad Pro skews iOS, which is something that Apple typically hasn't done or has only done in circumstances where they have no choice. So you mentioned, and other people mentioned, the iPhone 5, right? Well, you had no choice. If they wanted to make a bigger-screened iPhone, they had to, to make apps look different for a while, right, where they put the black bars in it. But if you make an iPad at the right screen size dimensions etc you can just scale the app up right as they've done before uh, maybe request a higher resolution assets again like they did for retina but that doesn't really all of these things are not really changing ios in a big way adding any features like this would potentially if they were only going to put them on the pro would skew ios completely are apple going to do that do you think Hmm. Uh, like I said, I, I like to think that that they're not going to compromise the simplicity of the iPad just because there is a notion of, of, of this kind of need. I, I think that I think that there are some cases where maybe in the case of multitasking, you need to look at two things at the same time. I'm not sure how you would solve the problem of looking at a web page and looking at a mail message you're composing at the same time. Because it, it seems to me that in that case, you need to have two, two things on, on the screen. I guess that, you know, this is really difficult to, to answer because, <laughs> of course, I don't know what I will think, but uh, I like to believe that they're not going to, I think that Apple knows what the strength of the iPad is, and um, and I and I and I don't believe that they're gonna get you know convinced by by some analyst or or some other market segment to 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 change their product so so much. Now, of course, all these arguments we have in mind. They are based on four years of the iPad. God knows what's going to happen to the iPad in five years. Because maybe we're having these arguments, and, uh, and I put myself into this. Maybe uh, we're writing all these articles because we think that we know what the iPad is. But we really don't, because it's such a young product. I guess we need a little bit of perspective, because it would be like... Back in 1984, actually back in 1988, four years after the Mac, so, well, the year I was born, by the way. <laughs> Just four years after the Mac, trying to imagine modern MacBooks. 
that would have been impossible, right? Because maybe if you asked back in 1988, uh, a a blogger or a journalist, I guess not a blogger, but somebody who wrote about Apple, if you asked what the future of the Mac would be like, they probably would have said a Macintosh, but smaller or more powerful. Now, when, you, when, you, when you're asking about the future of the iPad for professionals or for education, for multitasking, now, of course, we're saying, oh, maybe it would be just an iPad, but simple, and, and maybe it would use services. The problem, of course, is that you need perspective, and, and, and you cannot predict the future, and you don't work at Apple, and you, and you can't know for sure what's going to happen. But I still think that it's worth talk, talking about it, and, and writing about it, and even if in the long term you're going to be wrong. In general, Mike, I think that there is um, a core value of of the of the iPad and then and Apple's post PC movement. There is an importance to 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 simplicity and to making sure that people can do stuff without feeling like they they need to read a manual or they need to, you know. L- let me tell you this: when my when my mother gets to work in the morning. Um, and, and when I and when I call her by by lunchtime, she's always so tired because she has to look at this PC that that you know she she can't she cannot bring her own iPad to work, so she's forced to to use this PC which runs outdated software, which has all kinds of filters and firewalls to to disable internet usage, and and every time I call her, she's so frustrated. Because she doesn't want she doesn't want to use this PC, and every time I, I go to my parents uh, on Saturday for lunch, she says, "Oh, uh, how much I wish that that I could bring my own iPad to work." Mm-hmm. So you see, there is a problem of 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 the old of old PCs and the kind of mentality that they have created in people that you need to that that you have this big box and that it's boring and that it's ugly and that and that it's difficult to use and that it crashes sometimes and that it's slow and now people have have all these devices that are simple and fun and engaging and i think that there is a a core essence and and value about this simplicity about this uh you know touching touching things and and interacting with things manually and by manually I mean with your hands touching content touching photos there is there is, there is a, 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 a basic idea that I don't think will be that I don't think will change now of course the pros the pros are kind of weird people right because they are making super crazy stuff with computers they are making movies they are movie professionals they are sound engineers and they are weird people in a great way because they make stuff out of nothing. So, of course, they have very complex needs. I guess it's just difficult to, to imagine right now, just four years after the iPad first came out, just trying to imagine how would somebody ever create a, a movie on an iPad, edit a movie, import raw f- footage from, from a, I don't know, from a red camera, uh, streaming eight 4K channels on an iPad at the same time that, that that's not imaginable right now. <laughs> that's impossible. So of course it's it's strange to imagine how would people transition from something like a Mac Pro or like an iMac or like a, any other complex setup to just an iPad. That's just a crazy theory. I don't know, Mike. I, uh, I think it's 
too soon to tell. I just, I just want to believe that there is an underlying principle of elegance and simplicity that won't be, won't be discarded in the future. Just because, you know, they want to make something different. Just because the notion of making something different is, is flawed, I think. And because there is difference by design and there is difference by request. The kind of difference that you're seeing now is the, is the, is the one that analysts and, and bloggers are requesting because they think that they know that Apple needs to be different. The, dif- the kind of difference that matters is the, is the difference that has been considered. It's the kind of difference that you see when Nintendo comes, up, comes out with the, with the first Wii or with the Nintendo DS or with the first Game Boy, or when they, they came out with the first Metroid, or when Apple came out with the first iPhone, or when, I don't know, there are so many other examples. The, the kind of difference that, that, that you want to achieve, because you know that you can do something better than what exists, that's the difference that matters. The difference that, that generates from an impulse to, to want something new because you're bored, that doesn't really count, I think. So let's talk about the last, the last of these, which is a hybrid, a hybrid device. Now, this is the one that's the most confusing to me, really. So what, <laughs> yeah. I'll run through what I've kind of taken away from this, Federico, and then we can talk about it. So um, do we look at, again, just additional features, or do we look at dual-booting OS X and iOS? Um, are, they, are we looking at hardware changes, software changes? I don't know. Um, a keyboard accessory so that it kind of is a laptop, really, and you can take it away from that, but mainly it's meant to be a laptop. Does this add, as you mentioned, does it, do we add additional functions or keys to, the, to this new um, like keyboard device which can power some cool stuff? Um, there's one that really, you know, like I think what about like a battery? Nokia make a tablet now, a Windows tablet called the 2520, and they have something called the Power Keyboard, which is a case, a keyboard, and it gives you um, additional battery life and additional connectivity, so you get extra extra USB stuff and things like that. Would uh, Apple maybe want to do something like that? I hope that they would have already done something like that, like their own keyboard cover, which adds like a battery or something, I don't know, something cool in it, but they've not yet done that. So, you know, maybe this is a route that they want to go down. Um, I think that it's Microsoft that's making people believe that a hybrid is what people need to do real work, because you talk about the real work example, right, for a hybrid. You must have a hybrid computer so you can do real work. And I think it's just because all Microsoft can do is say that a hybrid is the way forward because they actually don't have a tablet which can't run that doesn't run in hybrid because their office apps aren't ready yet. So they have to have a hybrid tablet that runs both Windows 8 and um, full, uh, like sort of the Windows 8 Metro interface and regular Windows 8 interface because they haven't got an option at the moment. So they can't really have if they want to talk about Office, they don't have an option, so they can't really you know, promote that. So I wonder if maybe it's Microsoft that's making people believe this, you must have a hybrid to do real work. Has anything I said sparked any thoughts for you, Federico? Yeah. Um, 
the main problem is that when these people are imagining an, uh, a computer that runs both OS X and iOS, my main question would be, how does it work on a technical level? Because OS X and iOS run on different architectures. Yep. So OS X runs on Intel and iOS runs on ARM. So how would this be possible? Would it be OS X on the same architecture of iOS? Would it be two architectures in a single device? Because when these people are trying to imagine a notebook, do they really mean OS X? Because if they meant OS X, that would also mean um, a large GPU, a, CP a large CPU, a fan, probably a solid state drive. I don't know. Uh, it's really confusing because I could go around and say, you know, Mike, I have invented this hybrid transportation system that lets you drive and fly. And you'd be like, oh, cool. How does it work? It lets you drive and fly. And I don't say anything else. <laughs> you know, if you're gonna create a rumor, at least make it credible. This is really sketchy. I guess that my interpretation would be that these people are trying to picture this kind of iPad. So we're talking about iOS. That turns into some kind of laptop on a desk with a, a keyboard accessory. Because I, I just cannot see how OS X would fit into a tablet design. Uh, this is almost ridiculous to assume. And, and I'm reminded of the of that link that Stephen had a few weeks ago about the what's the name the modbook. Yeah, yeah, the modbook, the Axiotron modbook. Yeah. So are we are we really in 2014? Are we still talking about OS X in a tablet? I don't think that's the case. I think that they're trying to 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 consider an iPad that becomes more similar to a notebook when placed on a desk. Now, I'd, I, that's my, main, that my other main problem. How would that work again? Uh, iOS currently supports Bluetooth keyboards. So, and I am, a, and I am a, a, a physical keyboard user as well. When, when I'm at my desk, um, I connect my Logitech keyboard and I type with my keyboard, which has a few uh, special keys, like a home key to go back to the home screen, a spotlight key, it has media keys to control music playback, that kind of stuff, you know? And um, now, it's not a good experience because you have to constantly switch between the physical keyboard in front of you and, the, uh, and, and you have to touch the iPad because you cannot navigate an iPad and iOS just with a keyboard. You have to m move your hand back and forth between the two input systems, which, as, you, as I think you would agree with me, Mike, it kind of sucks. Yep. And now, these analysts, um, how would a keyboard-only iPad work? Yeah, like, I, I don't understand. I just don't get it. I, I don't, uh, it's, I it's, don't it's, know yeah. how you work on your iPad so much, because I get frustrated when I'm typing typing and then okay i want to post a tweet okay now i have to reach i mean, you have to reach far but you have to like move your hand away and press the button 
that that frustrates me doing that sort of like hands down here hands up here hands down here <laughs> it's, hands up it's here it's been a it's been a lot of training <laughs> Like, you know, it, it, it's like, uh, I feel like I'm performing magic tricks. It's all like sleight of hand or something that I'm doing all the time. It's a very peculiar thing for me. And I, I don't really, you know, I, I don't really get it. I, I feel like I don't fully see how you could do it without then adding a trackpad, which is a terrible idea. A it's, terrible it's, idea. It's, um, you know, it's not a system meant for keyboard usage. No. If if Apple ever puts a trackpad on iOS, Apple are doomed. Oh god. They're doomed. Like yeah. you know. Yeah, because they have completely compromised on their vision. Yeah. Because you would have a cursor on the home screen and on iOS. Which is which would be like again what Steve Jobs didn't want. Mm-hmm. Touching a Mac screen. It would be the same thing. adding a touch layer to OS ten and adding a cursor to iOS. Neither it would of, be the yeah, neither of those things should ever happen. No, 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 and and, and I just don't get it when when I see these rumors of a hybrid. Let, let, let me tell you, it makes for a great headline. If you want to get some traffic, if you want to get a few page views, a few thousand page views, it, it makes for a good title because everybody there is a there is a, an, an intrinsic cool factor about convertible stuff like the cars that James Bond drives in some movies, like the car that goes underwater. Now, I'm completely ignorant about James Bond uh, references, Mike, but I'm pretty sure that there are some cool gadgets the Lotus that James Bond that, uses. Yeah, that is, is a Lotus <clears throat> that turns into so a submarine. The, the idea of a convertible makes for a great headline on a tech block. It's just that it, that, that it is, uh, you know, technically incorrect. Because I just don't see why are we even talking about it. You see, I feel I I feel like I feel stupid talking about it because I know that that uh, uh, again I think I know, but I'm pretty sure about this. Uh, you cannot have iOS and OS ten in the same environment. Not currently. One of them has to change. I yeah, guess, but right. But, uh, One of them has to be built. I th- I think that I agree with what Fraser uh, wrote uh, a few minutes ago. It's not that you need an iPad Pro. It's not that you need a hybrid. It's not that you need a keyboard, that kind of stuff. iOS needs to be Pro. iOS need, need, needs features and changes and new APIs and, and new apps by developers that make, can make you a Pro. And and I think I'm not completely, you know, skeptical of this happening. I'm pretty optimistic, actually, because thinking about something like editorial or something like drafts or something like the current Evernote app that, that you have now, thinking about this stuff four years ago, I, I remember what Evernote used to be like on the iPad. And, and 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 let me tell you, it has changed so much, and it's gotten so better with over the years. And of course, now you have this text editor with with the crazy automation. You have a Python interpreter on iOS. You have an application that lets you send text to any other app. You have Tweetbot, which I consider much better than on the Mac. You have uh, so many other apps. So I'm, I think that in just four years, we've seen some pretty great stuff. Now, of course, it's time for the next step, which would be... And this is a question that I've been asking myself. Um, 
you know, uh, I have, I have a, uh, I think that, that it's not a new confession because I already told you, you know, my, my keyboard on my MacBook Air still misses one key. Right? Yeah, yeah. I told you like a few months ago and I, I have not brought my MacBook to the Apple store because I just don't have the time. <laughs> I just don't want to, to get it there and get it replaced and pay a hundred euros. I was about to say bucks. So uh, I pay a hundred euros and, and wait a few days. I just don't have the, the, the time to, to wait. So I'm using <laughs> an old keyboard on top of my MacBook. <laughs> Federica, if only so, uh, Stephen were here right now. Yeah, he I know. Be... So I'm asking myself, uh, eventually I'm going to have to buy a new MacBook because, you know, it's been uh, in July. It would be, oh gosh, uh, three years that I bought this MacBook Air. And I guess that the next step would be, should I buy really a new Mac or should I get maybe an iPad for home and uh, an iPad for, you know, mobile setups. Why would that's, you want to have two some, different that, iPads? Okay, that sounds crazy. Yeah, I don't that understand crazy. that. But, uh, you know, maybe an iPad Air to use at home mm. and an iPad mini I to think, use. I, I think you might have gone off the deep end there a little bit, buddy. I, I don't know, Mike, because back in the day, you used to have the Mac for the desk and the Mac for the and the laptop. I don't think that it would be too... Now, this would be a scenario where I, would, I could see a larger iPad. The, the, the big iPad that you keep at home that maybe you can, you can share with the family and the small iPad that you, that you keep for, you, for yourself. I think that it sounds crazy now. I, I don't think that it, will, that it will sound crazy in a couple of years. Depends if no, they... I, I don't want to sound like Dave Morin. Well, it Morin. depends what the iPad Pro looks like, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't want to sound like Dave Morin with the night phone and the day phone. <laughs> you have a night you iPad know? and day iPad. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't mean that. I mean that, you know, there, there's some stuff that I, that I need my Mac for. Uh, but I guess that, it, that, in, that in four years, that kind of... That can, because the Mac isn't getting any new possibilities. Right, because the, the 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 amount of stuff that a Mac can do is done, is completed. It was completed years ago. Is you don't see brand new use cases for a MacBook or a Windows PC. You don't see people trying amazing things with a with a desktop com- computer, with a laptop. You, on the other hand, can see people doing crazy things with, with the phone and with the tablet. And I'm just not talking about uh, the iPhone and the iPad. I'm talking about smartphones and the post-PC era in general. I think that in four years, um, the things that I cannot do on the iPad today, that will be a solution. And maybe it won't be, it won't be an iPad. Maybe it will be something on the wrist. Or maybe it will be, I don't know, something that I wrap around my head. I don't know. <laughs> just sucking crazy here. <laughs> the eye, like the eye turban or something. <laughs> the, the, the eye hat. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's never do product naming. No, 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 we shouldn't. So Federico, is that kind of your conclusion then, right? Yes, ab- about this topic, yes. So because I, I, I want to mention one last thing that, that isn't related to Apple. 
Okay, so so are we are we done here? So basically, what the conclusion is, all of those options, none of them are right. There needs to be a pick and choose from each if Apple really wants to make something awesome. But kind of with us looking at it from through these eyes, it's very difficult to see how they could pull this off. Yeah, I think it's difficult to see why there would be the need for a big for a big iPad. It's difficult to see why there would be the need for an iPad just for a specific market. Mm-hmm. And I think that my, the conclusion is that iOS needs to target the pros. Apple doesn't need a specific device. They need to improve the OS. So should we get on to our main topic of this week then? <laughs> Whatever this is. <laughs> Follow up. <laughs> Follow up is now finished. So topic number one. <laughs> no, I, I, I have a, a, you know, a, a quick thing that I want to run by you. Okay. Have you seen the Polygon game of the year list? I I stopped looking when it when it started to be each one was its own post. It's really nice. Okay. Visually. So I'm going there now. And I agree with the picks. So, okay, Polygon's 2013 games of the year. Shall I run down the list quickly? Yeah. Why not? Oh, this is much better because originally they were putting them all in separate posts and that was frustrating to me in my RSS yeah. reader. Number 10, Tearaway, which is amazing. Have you played Tearaway? No, oh, no. Oh, Federico. Do you yet. have a Vita? Yes. Then you need to get this game. Yeah, I'm getting it this weekend. Uh, Kentucky Route Zero. I've not heard of this. No, me neither. Super Mario 3D World. Have you played that? Uh, no, I don't have a Wii U. Yeah, I wanted to get a Wii U. I was going to buy a Wii U to play this game. Oh, by the way, if you're not interested in gaming basically come back next week thanks so much for listening to this we're just going to carry on for a little bit uh, it's going to be an after dark in the episode because I think that it deserves to be in the episode but I'll do the little thing you can find me on Twitter I'm at imike I-M-Y-K-E Federico is at V-I-T-I-C-C-I we are at underscore the prompt if you want to contact us and find links to the show go to this uh, episode show note page 5x5.tv slash prompt slash 31 we'll be back next week Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Prompt. I promise we'll talk about nothing more Apple-related, just video games. So stick around if you're interested in that. Okay, so Federico, (laughs) I figured that was worth doing, right? Yeah. I want to keep this in the show. So, yeah, I was going to buy a Wii U. I had an urge. Mm -hmm. I really, I love Mario. We're the same, right? We love Mario games. They're They're as good as video gaming can get every single time, in my opinion. It's like the perfect video games. By the way, have you seen that, like, Super Mario World 3? is now available on the 3DS. The original NES. Super Mario World... No, wait. Uh, I think you're getting the name wrong. I think I am too. Just, yeah. What was it called? The one on the NES, the, th- the third one. Super Mario Bros. 3? The one with the, the Tanuki suit. Super Mario Bros. 3. Yeah, that's now available on the 3DS. Seriously? Seriously. On the eShop? Yes. And it's like oh, man. two pounds. Oh, man. Yeah, so you can No, I wa- I wanted to get a Wii U just for Super Mario 3D World because I, I, I this game has been chosen as the game of the year by like uh Polygon and and Eurogamer and I'm pretty sure that Kotaku did, did something about this game. It must be so good. Yeah. So but yeah, I was going to do it but then it was too it was just too expensive. It was I I thought that it would be close to 100 pounds by now but they're not. But uh Grand Theft Auto 5 is number 7. Good yeah. pick. Great game. Yeah. Really, really great I, I game. Play, I played it, yeah. Uh, number six, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. I've not, not played that. No. Number four is The Last of Us. I haven't yeah. played that. 
but people say I don't really good. I don't have a PS3 but uh, from what I'm hearing it's great yeah Bioshock Infinite number four I loved it I haven't played yeah. it what what system did you play it on uh, Xbox okay cool because you can get it on uh, the Mac uh, you can get it on PC and Mac I think you can get it on the Mac too yeah Towerfall which is an Ouya game which is amazing fun oh you know this game yeah I have an Ouya huh yeah it's cheap, man. And you can get emulators and play Mario. <laughs> <laughs> so I downloaded like Super Nintendo Mario games onto it. Huh. And it's so easy to do it. You can get an emulator in the store and then you just put ROMs in Dropbox, go to the Dropbox website on the UER browser. I'm telling everybody how to legally download But games. Mike, you have the original game, right? Somewhere. <laughs> yes. Somewhere in the attic. I have the original game. Uh, so basically, if you want to play that game that I made and distributed a ROM for, then you'd put that game that I made into Dropbox, which I'm allowing you to do. And you just go to the Dropbox website on the Ouya browser, because it's an Android. Um, it's, at the end of the day, it's, it all runs on Android. And you can just you download them to like the downloads folder. You open it, and it opens, and then you open the, uh, the, the ROM app and it recognizes that the ROMs are saved into the downloads folder and you can open them and play them. And the controller is okay, it's not great, but you get all of that. You can basically play any game ever made pretty much on the UEA. Uh, you, you got the console on, on Kickstarter, right? No, I went and bought it because it's available here in, in retail. Oh, oh. I, I did not see that coming. Yeah. I, I thought that you backed it on, on, no, on no, Kickstarter. No, no. When it launched in retail, it was £100, which hmm. is just ridiculous. Like, £100 is nothing. It's cheaper than, like, a 3DS. Yeah, I remember, I remember there was an article about the, the Ouya as, a, like, um, an emulation paradise. Yeah, that's what, exactly what it is. That's what I've yeah. used it for. Number two, Legend of Zelda, A Link Between oh, Worlds. So, so great. So this yeah. is the 3DS game, right? Yes. I have not played this yet. Federico, I have never completed a Zelda game. Mike. I know, isn't it terrible? Mike. What are you doing? I've played a bunch, but I kind of get like uh, I can't finish. Okay, this. I don't want to. I don't want to be patronizing any further. Do you have a 3DS? Yes. Go get Ocarina of Time 3D. Okay. Do you have a a, a Nintendo Wii? Somewhere I had. I, or, I've played Twilight a, Princess. Okay, so you have a GameCube too? No, not anymore. No, you have a Wii. Yeah, but you don't have a Wii U. No. Okay, so get the Wii, and after Ocarina of Time 3D, play the Wind Waker for the GameCube. You can put the GameCube disc into the Wii. Right. So play Ocarina of Time 3D, Wind Waker, and then play A Link Between Worlds Federico, on the 3DS. can you pay me an inc- a salary so I can quit my job and therefore have enough time to play these three games? I could, <laughs> you know... I don't want to give you ideas, my but let me just say that I would love to have a podcast about this. <laughs> about Legend of Zelda or video games? No, about about games. Federico, you really shouldn't have said that. <laughs> because anyone that's now listening wants us to do this. I would love to do a video game podcast, like, so bad. But to do a video <laughs> game podcast, I also need time to play video games. Uh, and you cannot play the video games if you have a day job you know I know exactly. I know I know my like yeah. I've really been enjoying my Xbox One but I've played it twice since wait you also Mike how many how many things do you buy 
Let's not get not- into that right now. That's another show. <laughs> you have an Xbox One too? Did you not know that I have? I got it. No, I got it at Christmas. No. no, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, I got an Xbox One now. Uh, do you what, what games do, do you have? Uh, what's the name? Rise. Rise. No, what's Rise. The Rise. Rise. The son of. I'm not really. Uh, that the kind of with the with the romance. Yeah, I have that game. Yeah. I have Battlefield Four. Oh. Forza. Forza. Yes. Uh, Need for Speed Rivals. Which I have, which is a great game, but I have a serious problem with it. I'll come back so to it. You sound like quite the fan of, of indie games. <laughs> I don't even know if there are any indie games. Oh, I bought Peggle. Okay. Because, you know, for PopCap, which is Peggle's like my favorite game of all time, but they've been bought by EA now. There aren't really any indie games for the Xbox One yet. Um, and then I also bought um, the Marvel Lego game. Mm, yeah, I, I, I never, I never, and I'm gonna get so much hate for this. I never got into Lego myself. Okay, as a as a kid, Federico, yeah. here's what you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> you, need, you need to spend three thousand euros on Lego sets and then play the games and then okay. come back to me. So th- I'll do my Zelda homework and you do your Lego homework. No, I wanna get a PS4. I wanna get a Wii U, and I wanna play. Um, Super Mario, yeah. the Wind Waker remake, Wind Waker HD, mm-hmm. and there is some stuff on the PS4 that I want to play. So um, I'm, and I, ju- I just like Sony's vision more. I don't really know where I sit on it. I just know that I've been an Xbox owner for years, and yeah. I'm, I'm just more interested in, in the Xbox than I am the PlayStation. I don't know why. I, at this point, it's just basically it was really you know it was really uh, you were making one choice or the other when they originally announced them but they both backtracked so much yeah they're kind of just the same console again so i just figured i like the xbox more i much prefer the xbox controller always have um and i just like the way that the system works so i went xbox rather than playstation Mm -hmm. um okay and then number one is gone home now i've not played this game uh, yeah, uh, it's on my list too. Uh, it sounds amazing, basically. This is the one that was developed in Portland, right? Yeah. And it's basically like, it's not a game. It's, a, it, it's about, it, it's really just a piece of interactive storytelling yeah. rather than a typical video game. It's about a girl who comes home from college, I think after a year. I, I'm not sure if it's from college, but it, she comes home after a year and she's expecting to to see her parents and her sister, I think, at home. But the house is actually empty. And it's it's a really interesting way of telling a story, because from what I read in reviews and watching some videos and and read on Polygon, which by the way is a great website. I love what Polygon. I, yeah. I not only does it look fantastic and they do these it, great things, it's just good. Yeah, it, and you know, it's just. Good people, yeah, you know, good writers. Well, but they, anyway. they brought together like a lot of the best, didn't they? Really? Yeah, it's like a dream team of yeah. video game nerds. Yeah, uh, but anyway, so instead of interacting with uh, game characters, you maybe you you find you find some letters, you find some uh, recordings, you 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 understand the story by by looking at objects and reading and listening, and you know it's really clever. And I, and I and I think Mike now you can help me with your Google skills. Mm. Um, 
I read somewhere that the decision to to not use um, 3D characters and and you know so you you had to represent human characters with you know textures and and all the kind of animations. The decision to make it uh, a first-person game just to explore around, kind of like a, an old point-and-click adventure, in a way, uh, was to save on costs to develop the game. So it was a decision by design, but also by cost- constraint for costs, for money. And uh, now, uh, I don't know whether I did, but, but I guess that's, that's, that could be a good reason, because it's a, it's a small team, so it makes sense. And uh, and I really want to play this game, but my problem is that I don't know if it will run on my MacBook Air, and there is no version for iOS, so that's out of the question. There is no console version, as far as I know. Now, of course, I could get um, I could get a better Mac, or I could get a a, a, a Windows PC for games, or I could steal. A steam machine. <laughs> I, I I think that the third option isn't really an option. So uh, I gotta read the software requirements. The hardware requirements actually for my MacBook Air. Maybe maybe it wouldn't be too too you know too expensive to I really don't wanna buy a new Mac just to play some video games, Mike. Yeah, that seems like yeah, I wouldn't do. Even that. if this game sounds really, really good. Oh yeah, it's nineteen. I'm reading the the Polygon review of Gone Home. It's nineteen ninety five, and this girl named Caitlin, she's returning home from traveling abroad. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's that, and that's that's really interesting. I can't find that um, interview, by the way, where you mention about. Yeah, the- I'll find it. Maybe what's you know something that really and uh, now I'm kind of circling circling back to Apple. <laughs> something that I really don't like of uh, reading list in Safari is that once you de- once you delete an article, it's gone forever. And and maybe so in situations like this, that I'm pretty sure that I, that I that I read this article in reading list. If I remember that, that like uh, maybe a sentence or maybe just the title of the name of the author, I cannot find it again. So I forgot to mention. It, it kind of it makes the case for using, you know, pocket or Easter paper. I forgot to mention my problem with Need for Speed. So oh. they've done what EA do now, where it's like games just have to be online, right? Oh god. So there's an interesting thing that they've done with this, and it's it's Need for Speed Rivals. You either choose to be the police or you choose to be the racers. And what happens is in the world, you get entered into a game, you play your own game, you can race your own races, but every little while you will end up interacting with you will be chasing, the racer you're chasing is a real person. Which is kind of cool, right? In its own way. That it makes it more difficult. It does actually make it more exciting if you catch them or if you escape. You earn more points in game than you usually would. And if you, maybe you can interact with another driver as a police officer and you can chase them together and you both get more experience. So that's kind of cool. But the problem with it is every time I turn the game on, I have to wait for it to matchmake me, which I don't want it to do. But the worst part is you can't pause the game. Oh God, why? Because you because there's other people playing in the world. Oh, because oh God, so you cannot pause a racing game, a racing game, of all of the games in the world that you would <laughs> want to be able to pause. Because if you're if you're racing 
and you need to go do something, like the phone rings, you pause, right? In other games, like adventure games, you can just leave the character there. RPGs, just leave the character there, you know. If you can't pause, yeah. it's no biggie because nothing, you know, you know, necessarily is there something going on all the time. But in racing games, there's always something going on all of the time. You cannot pause the game. So if something happens and you're in a race or you're chasing someone and you need to leave the game, you lose. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. It's ridiculous. You know, um, so I, stupid. I always, I always had a problem with. I don't really do online gaming, um, of any kind. I, I tried in the past. Yeah, I don't really the, either. The thing is that, and this is like, uh, I guess, one of my personal <laughs> issues, is that by going online for, uh, you know, to play... Now, of course, I work online. I write all day. But when I, in my downtime, when I, when I, when I want to play, I don't know, some Mario Kart or maybe some, f- some racing game and a, um, or some sh- first-person shooter... Uh, you know, it's just a hobby that, that I have for, you know, a couple of hours every day, or <laughs> if I'm lucky. And now, if I go online, I'm gonna most definitely lose. Because it's my life doesn't yeah, re- yeah doesn't revolve around gaming. So I have a pressure when, when, I, when, I, when I see all these games that require online features, I have a, a, this pressure that... that I really can feel it that that if I'm gonna go online with with a game, I'm I'm gonna look stupid because I'm not good at the game. I'm not great because all these people spend hours every day because they can uh, playing a game. So I'm just gonna look silly and and they're gonna make fun of me because maybe there is a text chat or maybe there is a voice chat. I just want to play alone or with friends locally because that's fun. I, d- I don't want to be called names. No, <laughs> just because, or if I, ever just play, <laughs> if I ever choose to play online, I choose to play online with a friend. Oh, if yeah. I'm ever going to do it, then that's how yeah. I would want to do it. Yeah, being forced to play online with, with some random stranger, that's... Mm, no, it, it really makes me uneasy. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. All right, Federico, let's wrap up. We've been running long, but this was a really interesting discussion. You will, uh, I guess, people could look out for Mike and Federico complain about video games podcast. But you, pr- but you promised me that you're gonna try to at least start Ocarina of Time 3D. And what system do I need to play that on? 3DS. Yeah. Okay, I can do that. I'm pretty sure that you could find the, the game. It's it's a, like three years old now, so you yeah. can find it pretty cheap. If it's well, yeah. it's probably in the eShop, but. If, it, oh, yeah, it, if it's on 3DS, then I can do it because I've got that system hooked up. It's the hand as well. So, okay, I'll give it a go. You need to buy some <laughs> Lego. No. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Um, if you've made it through this part, then you are a true hero um, or heroine and a fan of us and video games. Congratulations to you. You're a, you're a true nerd and we love you. We'll be back next week. Say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. Bye-bye.